Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. What's up, Golf Strategy School? My name is Marty Griffin, and you are listening to the only podcast that's dedicated for those newer golfers, those weekend golfers still working on breaking that milestone score of 90. What we are going to be talking about today, well, the U.S. Open just ended, and let's talk about that final round and some takeaways that you can put in place to your game that will drastically help your scores. Let's talk about it. All right, so we saw a really, really fun down the stretch they come. Even even the players that weren't like truly in contention that would have required like a collapse from the top, they even still kind of came at it at the end. We had three past major champions who were in the hunt and they were hunting and it didn't turn out for any of them, but the back and forth between Zalatoris, Fitzy, And Scheffler, that was amazing. And the thing that stuck out to me was really two parts. And these are two parts that you can immediately start working on in your game. It is the intermediate putting and the, I don't know how you want to say this, the the target selection. And I'm not so much thinking of like not going for the sucker pins, which absolutely was correct and was played beautifully by these guys. They didn't go for any of the sucker pins when they shouldn't have, but I'm talking about the, the depth of green selection in terms of where they're trying to land the ball in these circumstances. And we saw some really bigger rough than we're used to out of this tournament. And it was absolutely affecting people. Uh, I think it was the 15th hole, maybe the 16th hole, where Zalatoris was in the right rough and he tried to cut the ball and it ended up being not really a pull, but it ended up being just a dead straight shot and he wasn't able to shape the shot the way he wanted to. There really was a lot of influence from that deep, thick rough in this tournament. Now, when it comes to that depth of green shot selection, we saw a lot of times these guys were aiming for the front third of the green. And that is, in my opinion, where a lot of newer golfers should be aiming. Not necessarily because they can't get it to the back of the greens, but when we're talking about our our best shot or we can kind of think in the you know golf is not a game of perfect mindset 
you know, we know that the shots most of the time are not going to be perfect. If you talk to these guys who are playing on Sunday, you're probably only going to hear, you know, that they may have had a very small handful of perfect shots out of their fantastic rounds. So a lot of times we are not going to see that perfect shot. Now, depending on your situation, depending on your course, this strategy can change. But I would rather see someone when they're in those in-between clubs. And I guess in-between clubs isn't necessarily the best way to put it. But when they're in-between a shot that they're comfortable with and a shot that they're not comfortable with, hit the comfortable shot. Uh, I think it was Dr. Bob Rotella that says, take the conservative shot and then take the cocky swing. And that's exactly what we saw happening a lot today. Or not today, <laughs> Sunday. So we saw a lot of that, you know, aiming for the front of the green and making like a good, confident swing at the ball. Now, if you're that Sunday golfer who's maybe, let's say you're sitting 160 yards out in the fairway, pins in the middle of the green, and your 160-yard club is maybe your 6-iron or your 5-iron, and, oh, boy, you just you just don't seem to have the confidence in that club that you do maybe your 7-iron. And that 7-iron, ah, yeah, it's, it's probably only going to get you on the front of the green, but you have a better chance of hitting that club well compared to your 6 or your 5-iron. I would rather see you hit that 7-iron and hit it confidently and get inside of, you know, let's say 10 yards even of the green within regulation than going the other way and, you know, kind of just rolling the dice and hoping for this beautiful, perfect shot that's going to get you to the pin. Uh, When you're a newer golfer, you're really thinking more about how do I eliminate the big number? Uh, friend of the show, Josh Boggs, he has said time and time again, you know, if you want to break 90, it's not making about, it's not about making more pars and birdies. It's about making less eights, nines, and tens, because that one hole is going to blow you up and either ruin your nine, or it's going to get stuck in your head and you're going to drag that bad number with you for three or four more holes. And that three or four more holes is going to be something that, should not have been as bad as it was. You know, you might have a really bad hole. Let's say you have a quadruple bogey and then you're sitting there kicking yourself and beating yourself up about it for the next two holes. And maybe those next two holes are double bogeys when in reality, maybe they could have been a par, maybe they could have been a bogey and not as punitive. Now in that circumstance that, you know, that big number, it didn't just cost you that quad in the moment. It cost you, you know, another two or three strokes down the line because you were still thinking about it, even though it's behind you. Now I've got other episodes on the mental game about creating your own post shot routine that you can certainly check out, but that's a big key to leaving the big numbers behind you is having a good post shot routine. So you can kind of acknowledge it, address it and move on. But if we're in these circumstances where one decision could push over a string of dominoes that kind of spirals us for a little bit. That's what's keeping us from breaking 90. It's that one decision that led to 
three or four more either bad decisions or not focused holes of golf, things like that. That's where we can really kind of shoot ourselves in the foot and then it's not the shot in the foot that kills us. We end up bleeding out from that shot in the foot. Uh, it wasn't like immediately fatal. And that's what happens for a lot of golfers. I'll tell you, I, my first round of the year this year, I hadn't practiced much. I think I had hit the simulators twice because we were doing a big kitchen remodeling project and I was helping my mom sell her house. And I didn't get a lot of off-season practice. <clears throat> I roll out of bed, basically, go to the course, and I shot for, I was subbing in a league, I shot 42, par 36, so I'm six over, and I'm I'm not upset with that number, especially for my very first time out that year, uh, I birdied the first hole, so I made the mandatory dad joke of, oh, I guess I'll see you guys next year, finished one under for the year, but <laughs> aside from being goofy, I, I approached that round as... Like this course owes nothing to me. I have not done my due diligence. If I have a bad number, it's going to be out there. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. Just cut bait and move on. And I ended up triple bogeying like a 140 yard par three. I put one in the bunker and then I tried to get cute coming out of the bunker. I hit it over the green I had a really terrible chip that didn't get to the green, and then it took me three to get down from the fringe. So that was a six on a par three. If I had let that really stick with me and anger me, that would have been a much bigger number than a 42 because the very next hole was the number one handicap hole on the entire course. It's a big par four with a creek and a nasty green. And if I'm being 100% honest... I did kind of let some frustration seep into the tee box because I tried to I tried to put both cheeks into it as my dad used to say and really kind of smack the crap out of my drive and when I do that I tend to pull it and I pulled it and I did not have a good approach shot but I was able to scramble and make par so who knows, maybe if it would have been a more kind of easygoing conservative swing, or I'm sorry, not conservative swing, cocky swing, but a, a more conservative shot off the tee, maybe I would have had an opportunity at birdie. But as it was, I was really, really lucky, and I made about a 7-8 footer for par, and it was it was moving, lots of breaks. So even like it happens to the best of us. I, I let that frustration from that triple bogey seep into my tee shot and it really could have derailed the round much, much worse, but I was able to acknowledge. I'm like, you know what? That's not how I normally hit my tee shot on this hole. There was some frustration, some anger taken out in that swing. And now yet again, I'm kind of playing from behind. So I adjusted my mindset right away I did not go for the pin because there's a tree in the way. I said, you know what? I'm going to lay this out to the right. It should draw a little bit. I might be able to get onto the green. But if I don't, I'll still be in a good position where I can make a good, solid, aggressive chip. Shouldn't have anything scary in my way. So that's how I went about that. But we can see that in these circumstances. So for newer golfers, for weekend golfers, 
a lot of times that first domino falls on the approach shot where they're at an uncomfortable distance and they feel like they have to go for the pin instead of going for the front of the green. And a lot of times going for the front of the green is going to provide you an opportunity to have a lower score more frequently. So yeah, maybe maybe one out of, let's say one out of 10 shots, you're going to actually hit it well and get on the green from that uncomfortable distance. Okay, so maybe you make a par that one time. But how many times did it go horribly wrong and cost you one or two or three strokes? And really, that's what we're doing. We're playing the long game. We're playing the numbers game to help avoid those circumstances. And like I said, for for newer golfers who are still struggling to break 90, I'm going to say that you want to be aiming more for the front of the green at those uncomfortable distances, mainly thinking that we're going to get a more comfortable club into our hand where we can have a better chance of success with that swing so we don't hurt ourselves. Now, if I, I know we have plenty of golfers who listen to this podcast who are not trying to break 90. And for those of you who are no longer trying to break 90, who are maybe trying to break 80, I would actually say the opposite because you are less likely to have a catastrophic result on your longer approach shots. So maybe let's err on the side of one more club and then let's make a more comfortable swing at it so we don't have to be as aggressive. But that's not really what this episode's about. I just don't want to leave y'all that are listening who might be a little bit more experienced on links without some advice. But let's talk about our other thing. And this one is across the board for everybody, regardless of your skill. It's those intermediate putts. So when we're looking at how this ended up, think of all the clutch putts that went down. For a while there, it seemed like it was Fitzy and Zalatoris just going back and forth, just making putt after putt after putt. And then Scheffler starts just putt after putt after putt, dropping in those last three or four holes. And, oh, man, he almost he even almost made that big one on 18. Now, that one, I don't really consider that an intermediate putt because that one looked like it was maybe like, eh, it looked like it was over 20 feet. So... When we're, when we're looking at these intermediate putts, I'm talking anything kind of, let's say like 8 to 20 feet. They put a lot of time into these putts. And for you as a weekend golfer, I don't want you expecting to make these putts. Your goal is to not three putt. And maybe 1 out of 10, 1 out of 15, the hole gets in the way and it drops. That's really kind of how you should look at it because the math says, and you can, I, I quote this guy all the time, Lou Stegner. He's like the king of golf statistics, but you should not be expecting to make every single time. At least you should not be expecting to make 10, 12, 15 foot putts more often than not, especially once you get out to like 15 feet, you have a better chance of three-putting from that distance as the weekend golfer who's trying to break 90 than you do of one-putting. So let's be more focused on touch and lag and not as focused on finding the bottom of the cup. Now, if you've been listening to the show for long, you know that one of my absolute favorite drills, and this is the drill that I try to do as the last thing before I go out and play is the six foot putting ladder, because this gets you really, really comfortable with the speed 
at least of the putting green or the practice green before you go out and play. And this six foot putting ladder, it's, it's a constraint based practice, a failure based practice. And what you do is you set up, you find like a straight putt and you set up a putt every six feet. So you go six, 12, 18, 24, 30. And what I like to do is I just lay a club about three feet behind the hole and I take each putt as if it's, you know, that million dollar US Open winning putt. And I go at it trying to get it to the cup, but not touch that club that I laid three feet behind the hole. And the idea here is that I have to meet both of those objectives in order to progress to the next putt. Otherwise, if I don't, I have to start over. So from six feet, I'm going to make a decent amount of those. I don't usually run those by. I don't leave those short. From 12 feet, this is when, as that weekend golfer, you're going to start to see some failures. Because you might leave one a little short. What's more likely is you're going to hammer it past and you're going to hit the club. Now, when you get out to 18 feet, that's when you're going to see a lot of failures. That's usually when I start missing my first ones. And this is, again, all about training your touch. So you got to get the ball to the hole, but you can't get it more than three feet past the hole. If at any point you fail, you have to reset everything and start over. So a way to see whether or not you can actually get through this and kind of, I like smart goals. Um, you know, you can look it up, but it's, uh, it is, oh my gosh, my brain just left me, but, uh, it's measurable, attainable, uh, realistic time bound. I forgot the S, but that's what I get for thinking off the top of my head. Anyway, what we're doing here is basically we want to have a statistic that we can measure within our practice to see if we're getting better. Everybody looks at the statistic that they get from playing, and that's the score, and that's the only thing they measure. Well, it's important to measure how well you practice as well. So we're looking at this from a how many chances did it take before I got through the whole thing? And if you're getting really good, okay, fine. Maybe how many times out of 10 was I able to get through the whole thing? But really... What we want to be looking at first and foremost is getting that touch built and you can learn a lot from yourself. Track, just do this practice before you play next time. Let's say the next five times you're going to do this practice until you get through it. And I want you to just write down somewhere how many times it took you before you were able to get through it. And hopefully on the fifth time, you notice that maybe it only took you three chances to get through it instead of six or seven or 10 or whatever the number is. So it's those intermediate putts that I noticed the guys who were really at the top of the leaderboard, they were just draining those intermediate putts. And to be clear, I do not expect or want you to even try to drain those putts. We want to have the putt online, obviously, but I want you to be focused on touch but I, I just think that if you get focused more on touch rather than the ball has to go in the hole, you are going to be much happier with the overall results. And I'm talking after the round in terms of your score. But also, you are going to accidentally run into maybe two or three of those putts per round that actually do drop. So... Hopefully, uh, you can take these lessons, these thoughts, 
these things that I learned from the U.S. Open, and you can put them into practice for yourself. Again, we're aiming at the front of the green if we're a weekend golfer, back of the green if you're trying to break 80. And we are, everybody, regardless of what your score is, we are working on our intermediate putts. Now, if you would like some short game help, I have a five strokes in five days challenge. I'll put that in the description here. But that walks you through five of my absolute favorite practice routines that I think can make the biggest impact on your score the quickest. So if you want to check that out, go ahead, pull up your show notes here, click the link and sign yourself up totally free. And you can see my five favorite practice routines from really like 50 yards and in. So until next time, everybody, I'll catch you in the short grass. Cheers. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of golf strategy school. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers, your age, head over to par for success.com slash Griffin. And you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers, your age based off of this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.